بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا أبده ورسوله أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to another episode of podcast of the Seekers and Sleepers or the Seekers and Sleepers podcast. Are we seeking with the Seekers or sleeping with the Sleepers? So, Alhamdulillah, I'm glad you can all join me in another search, in another journey to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, last week, um, I tried to um, start a subject, a topic, which was about connecting the dots to make a, begin to remind us or make us understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in creating human beings in particular had a wise purpose behind it. So much so that he made the human beings, as it were, the crown of his creation. We are a sophisticated piece of spiritual technology that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created and he's done he has done so so that we be uh, we're able to be fit for purpose the Quran talks about human beings in these terms in one particular verse simply by saying we have honored humanity there are of course other verses that mention a specific honor, a specific relationship with God, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the mu'minun, the believers, the Muslims. But this particular verse is saying, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَ بَنِي آدَمْ We have honored humanity. By the way that Allah has fashioned and created human beings, and what he has endowed in us in terms of a of a spiritual heart that can know God, a free will, and an intellect that can discern right from wrong, good from bad, the consequences, uh, the end consequences of our choices, and it can discern if it begins to reflect upon uh, upon the natural world and upon the cosmos at large. It can discern signs of uh, traces of God in the sense of uh, the the harmony and the the design and the way that the creation has been created points to a designer, a creator. And the human intellect can fathom that and grasp that and understand the implications of that. So human beings are a a, a wonderful piece of technology, which is what uh, the, the point, the main point I was trying to get across uh, last week. Um, just before I kind of recap, I want to balance that karamna bani Adam. We have created, uh, we have honored humanity because us human beings, we, um, 
we let things go to our heads very quickly and if someone kind of praises us or or extols our virtues we tend to you know the head kind of grows bigger and bigger um, so whilst the quran does say we have honored humanity there are other verses uh, for example this one which tells us that doesn't man see what he has been created from he has been created from a vile seminal fluid meaning that fluid that comes out uh, that comes from a man and a woman when they have intimate relationships so whilst the first one gives us a sense of honor and joy and a permissible pride not the arrogant pride a permissible pride meaning being joyous that Allah created us like that then this verse uh, brings us down to earth and humbles us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us that before you get big-headed just look what your origins are you're really nothing just seminal fluid which for uh, for Muslims if it kind of got on our clothes we will try to wash it and uh, and um, after a husband and wife have intimate relationships uh, because of such fluid uh, we take a full bath a ghusl um, so on the one hand honor on the one hand humility so that things stay uh, in balance and that is what I was trying to get across last week when uh, when I was trying to situate human beings and the Muslim story, the story of Islam in the wider context, the human story, and in particular, the, the story of Islam in a wider context by mentioning the beginning of affairs, uh, not so much scientifically, big bang onwards but the fact that the prophet وسلم, was asked uh, what was the beginning of this affair and he said that uh, Allah uh, Allah was in obscurity or obsc yeah, Allah was in obscurity literally it's clouds we covered that last week with no hawa below him and no how wind or uh, wind or uh, air above him and he created his throne over the water and likewise last week we looked at uh, another hadith the hadith of imran ibn hussein radiallahu anhu where a group of the yemenis came to the prophet Lassam, and they asked him um tell us about this affair and so he said uh Allah was and nothing was with him. Allah was and nothing was with him. And his throne was over the waters. And we said that as cryptic as these things are, and the fact that the Prophet ﷺ, neither the Qur'an nor the Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ give us uh, much more detail about these uh, cryptic uh, ideas and, and the, this kind of window into uh, how everything began in terms of the 
uh, of the created universe. Um, but still, it kind of gives us a sense of awe that Allah was and nothing was with him. Allah was in obscurity. And from that idea of obscurity, uh, if you recall last week, I then went on to mention a very popular hadith found in many of the uh, many of the books of uh, of the sufis but as the hadith masters the hadith specialists tell us uh it's not a sound hadith and that's the hadith where allegedly allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh is uh meant to ha ha uh, meant to have said that i was a uh, i was a a hidden treasure unknown and I wanted to be known. So I created creation in order that they may know me and they knew me. Now, um, I also said that the Hadith scholars and masters, classical Hadith scholars and masters, some of them have said, even though this is not at all an authentic Hadith and we can't ascribe these words back to the Prophet وسلم, uh, at all, nevertheless, the overall meaning, the idea of Allah creating creation that we may know him is actually rooted in the Qur'an. And you may recall uh, that I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but for example, this, this statement that the, the overall meaning of the hadith is authentic can be found in the works and the writings of Mullah Ali al-Qari, one of the great Hanafi hadith masters of, uh, I think, uh, the, the, the 10th or 11th century uh, uh, of Islam. He mentions this uh, uh, in one of his books. Um, and also Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, one of the great scholars of the 8th century, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, he uh, mentions one verse in the Quran, which we covered last week, which goes to prove that we were created to know Allah and only when we know Allah we then can we truly uh, and sincerely worship him which is the goal of goals so uh, one verse in the Quran says that Allah it is who created the seven heavens and of the earth a similar number that his command and his command descends uh, throughout them that you may know Allah has power over everything and that he encompasses all things in knowledge so that you may know in this verse two qualities about Allah power over all things knowledge encompasses everything that you may know and of course the the famous verse in the Quran uh, that Allah didn't create mankind nor the jinn except that they that we may worship him and that we may know him and that we may worship him are connected and intertwined because we can't worship the one whom we don't know. And only by knowing 
who Allah is and what qualities he possesses and what beautiful actions he does for us, can hearts begin to be in awe of him, trust him, fear him, hope in his, hope in his mercy and forgiveness and ultimately love him and lovingly submit to him. SubhanAllah. And and so we kind of stopped at that point. I want to continue today. And though the theme is created in the image of God, this is just one important aspect of this idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created human beings for a, a tremendous wise purpose and he created us as as spiritual uh, creatures with such qualities that no other creatures not even their angels have certain qualities that Allah infused in the human creature and the reason why it's important to know this is that we can have a sense of self-worth and purpose about who we are, what we are, and why we are here. And when we can keep those things in mind, that who we truly are, what we truly are, why we're, why we're here, then we are able to be on this earth productively in terms of our own spiritual growth and relationship with God, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Productively in terms of how we relate to others, to other human beings, to the other creatures whom we inhabit this earth with to the earth herself, to the earth itself. And thereby, uh, uh, as I've said before, be fit for purpose and perhaps allowing Allah to make us a small but important beacon of light. But if we're not quite sure, sure how... Uh, the, the our, if we're not quite sure of our own self-worth in terms of spirituality and the spiritual technology that has been infused into us by Allah, by God himself, then there is a, there is a danger, a grave danger, that we just live our lives neglectfully, recklessly, heedlessly, as others do, just being concerned with a small patch of grass under our nose and just chewing the grass like cattle, like dumb cattle do, um, just fulfilling our uh, material uh, desires and instincts. And that would be a tremendous tragedy in both this world and the eternal afterlife so let me no let let us read a few more things including this idea of being created in the image of god and what that really means and where does that come from uh let us read 
things from our scholars and from the Prophet in order to let some of these ideas uh, sink in and let their significance really be woven into the very core of our being, of our of our soul. Lita'alamu, that you may know God, subhanAllah. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, in, and it's found in the collection of his, uh, in, of his verdicts of fatwas, majmu'al fatawa, he says, and I've, I've translated this, it can be found on my blog stroke website, thehumbleeye.com. Um, and I'll read from that. I'll, Ibn Taymiyyah is talking about how, um, how uniquely we have been created and the, uh, the subtleties in terms of spiritual technology that Allah has put into us. So this is part of what he said, and, and I'll read. This is my translation. Now, Allah manifested some of his tremendous power and astounding wisdom through righteous human beings via Ambiya and Aulia, via prophets and saints in ways he hasn't done so, not even through their angels. So Ibn Taymi is just beginning to unpack this thing. The way that Allah has the potential, the potential that Allah has put into human beings, especially the righteous of them, and the quality, the spiritual quality that can be displayed by righteous people like prophets and saints is something which is far greater than even what the angels can do. Uh, and thinking about this, even same is uh, pointing to uh, pointing this point out. Uh, it it makes us understand Allah's tremendous power and astounding wisdom in the way that He has created human beings. For to continue, for He He united in the former. He gathered together in the former in human beings qualities that are dispersed throughout the other types of creation. So Allah created man's physical body from the earth. We know this through the Quran and also through certain sound hadiths. So Allah created man's physical body from the earth while his spirit, his ruh, was created from the highest assembly of angels, the mala'ul ala, the highest, whatever stuff they are made of, the, the human being's ruh, spirit, is made of that same celestial stuff or that same heavenly stuff. So Allah created man's physical body from the earth while his ruh, his spirit, was created from the highest assembly of angels. That is why it is said, Man is a microcosm but contains the macrocosm man is a mini universe 
but contains the great contains the greater universe. Subhanallah. You know, even at the physical level, so I'm this I'm adding this. This is not the words of Ibn Taymiyyah. Even at the phys, uh, the physical level, science has shown us. Uh, and I'll and I'll really, really simplify it for those who really don't have a a, a, a love or a, an attachment to, to to science, especially cosmology uh, and astronomy. So when stars explode, okay, when stars grow, 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 and explode, supernovas, okay, all that stuff that they scatter out after millions and millions and millions and millions of years, um, some of that stuff can condense back together by the by the power and permission of Allah through what we know as gravity and a new star could start the difference between that first star and this new star is this new star is going to uh contain uh sorry uh not stars will form planets will form planets will form and Allah willing Allah will create life on uh, life on earth through whatever way that he sees fit through whatever way he sees the fit but we know that he created Adam Islam uniquely without parents and and through and not through the normal birth channels of any creature point being is the elements that we find in say for example the, our nearest star our sun of iron and other heavily heavy elements in the proportion that we find them in stars similar is exactly what the physical body is composed of okay which is why you might hear some people uh, quite often atheists atheists they may say that we are star you know we are made of stardust and in one sense uh not not taking allah out of the equation uh, nor the way that he's described how he created our father Adam in the Quran uh, there's an element of truth in that that the stuff that Allah made us of reflects what's already on earth in our kind of local planetary system the solar system the point being is when Ibn Taymiyyah says and he's quoting a phrase that is fairly popular with classical scholars of that time of the 7th 6th century of islam man is a microcosm he's a, a mini universe a mini cosmos but he contains the macrocosm the macro means large micro means small right he contains the larger universe subhanallah our physical bodies are very material earthly like substance the raw the human beings raw or spirit is heavenly stuff subhanallah and so allah subhanahu ta'ala uh, has endowed us with cer certain qualities a heart that can know allah a mind that cannot just intellectualize but can discern the signs of Allah in the creation and a free will to freely choose the God-pleasing path and turn their backs or turn away from 
the God-displeasing power. That's an incredible piece of tech, right? This is at the spiritual level. This is a piece of Apple technology coming straight out of, you know, straight from the worktops of the Apple uh, factory and the Apple lead think tank in California, right? SubhanAllah. And just knowing that reminds us of the self-worth and the great purpose that Allah, Allah has created us for. That you may know Allah, that you may worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just like if we had one of those £1,000 Apple iPhones or Apple smartphones, we wouldn't, we wouldn't use it as a door wedge, right, to wedge our door to keep it open or closed. You know, we could get a piece of wood from, from the back garden or from a scrapyard or wherever to do that. Right, or use our slipper right, and just shove it under the door. So if someone used like a thousand pound phone, Apple phone, to do that, and that was all it was being used for, you know, either the person who's doing this is incredibly rich and wasteful with their money that they can afford to use a thousand pounds just as a doorstop or a door wedge, or they're incredibly stupid that they don't know the worth of the thing. And therefore, if they don't know the wealth of the thing, should they really be having such a thing in the first place? Well, there is a parallel there with us and our purpose of creation. If we think that we are, you know, quote unquote, just like door stops, door wedges, and we've got nothing more to do than just eat, drink and sleep and be merry. Uh, then that is either being incredibly uh, foolish or incredibly stupid or both. Subhanallah. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. Let's get profounder still. What Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, this is how we've been created. Physically, spiritually. Now let's carry on, inshallah ta'ala. Created in the image of God. Allah, the Prophet says the hadith is in Sahih Muslim. Inna Allah khalaka Adam ala suratihi. Inna Allah khalaka Adam ala suratihi. Indeed, Allah created Adam, peace be upon him, ala suratihi in his image ala suratihi in his image who is the his then the majority of our scholars say the his the pronoun goes back to god this is the majority opinion others say based upon um, some other hadiths allah created him in his image Allah created that human being in that other human being's image. So don't slap him. Don't slap anyone or hit anyone on the face. We get that from another hadith. But the majority reading, the reading and understanding of the majority of the ulama uh, is that 
ala suratihi is the the his is referring to God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, Allah created Adam in his own image. And if the next hadith is sahih, uh, then it kind of clears up any doubt uh, whatsoever. And that hadith, uh, if I can just turn to it, uh, not say to another, may Allah disfigure your face. For the son of Adam was created in, in the image of Ar-Rahman. For the son of Adam was created in the image of Ar-Rahman, Allah the All-Merciful. So if that hadith is sahih, then that kind of, it's kind of like, a, it's a decisively proven uh, that the word his means Allah. But the majoritarian reading is that whatever it means, human beings are so unique and have been created so special for a special purpose that in Allah khalaka Adam ala suratihi. Allah created Adam in his own image. Think about that for a second. Don't try to conceptualize it or visualize it. Why? Because the Quran says Speaking about Allah Azzawajal, the Quran says There is nothing like unto him And he is the hearer and the seer Even in Allah's hearing and seeing It's not like the creation's hearing and seeing if someone tries to imagine Allah, then Allah is other than what they have imagined. The Quran is decisive that there is nothing like Allah at all. So we don't make images of God and we don't believe that God indwells in a human being or in an object and we don't believe a human being represents the manifestation of God. No, all of these things are blasphemous to us against Islam. And uh, it is a sure path to, to people worship. To worship in other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the greatest crime in Islam. Far greater than murder, far greater than fornication and adultery, far greater than stealing and cheating, far greater than anything is I'm setting up partners with Allah in the worship of Allah. And uh, and um, and in this case imagining Allah to be something like his creation. But think about that for a minute. Allah wants Allah has taught his prophets on these things and his and the Prophet his Allah's beloved has passed them on to us. Not so that we can gloat and be arrogant, 
but so that we can understand we are precious to God and we have an important purpose in life beyond binging on Netflix, beyond uh, just eating and drinking, raving and clubbing and just following the next thrill or buzz and the life is one big bungee jump. That's not the Islamic way. And, the, and, and, you know, and the most important thing I can do as a Muslim is stand up for some point of justice. No, we have to stand up for justice. It's not the most important thing, though. Unless, of course, by justice you mean giving to God the rights that belong to him of worship and submission. Then, yeah, then we stand up. Then justice is the most important thing. <coughs> Actually, the Quran will say, the greatest injustice is setting up partners with God in his worship. Shirk. Inna shirka ladhulmun azim. The Quran says, indeed shirk is the worst dhulm, is the worst injustice. Meaning tawheed, the oneness of God that he, and that he alone uh, should be worshipped. Tawheed is the greatest justice. It's not befitting for a Muslim to work for justice, work uh, to stand up in terms of justice for other people oppressed and the vulnerable and the minorities, which we should do, and not stand up for justice in terms of the rights that belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in terms of us worshipping him, obeying him, submitting to him, uh, and uh, living our lives in a way that is pleasing to him. Uh, otherwise, we can just be like what? We can just be Marxists, right? We can just be socialists and uh, have done with it. Right? SubhanAllah. Um, and the reason why we could become confused about these things is simply if we don't have a regular attachment to reading the Quran with understanding and reflection and trying to understand uh, the Prophet's life and teachings, the less we have contact with that, then it's not that our ears and eyes and mind are closed off. They are sealed in a bubble. No, they're going to be open to all sorts of other messages, ideas, philosophies, ideologies. It's not a, you know, we, we don't have an on-off on -off switch in terms of these senses that actually, well, if I when I'm not reading the Quran, I'll just switch off so that nothing else can filter into my heart and my mind. No, the switch is always on, right? Even subconsciously. And we can, and ideas alien to the Quran, alien to Islam, alien to what Allah wants of human beings, can filter into us, even us as Muslims. So the question is, when did I last read the Quran? <laughs> with a sense of meaning to try to sculpt and shape my life around it. And if the answer is, oh, I can't remember, that's problematic, right? That's really problematic. <sighs> SubhanAllah. So let's, Inna Allah khalaka Adam ala suratihi. 
well, the first thing that's appropriate to do here is to let's just have an idea of what it means. And the scholars have two or three explanations of what it means. And I'll read the the the, the I'll read three of the of the main explanations um, rather than go into a real detailed thing. So, the word image surah. In Allah khalaka Adam, indeed God created Adam, Adam peace be upon him, alayhi salam, ala, upon, or in this case in, suratihi, his surah, and surah can mean image or form. Okay. Uh, one view understands the word surah, image, to mean attributes or qualities, attributes, qualities or traits. So Allah is hearing, is seeing, possesses knowledge and is speaking and Allah put those qualities in Adam but at the human level. So Allah is all hearing, all knowing, okay, uh, all seeing but Obviously, and that's only for exclusively for him. No one else has those qualities in absolute in absolute perfection. But Allah created created Adam with the qualities of hearing, seeing, uh, and knowing. So Allah suratihi upon his own image means upon certain distinctive qualities of Allah, but at the human level for Adam al-Islam and his progeny or offspring. The second view is what is intended by his image is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created uh, Adam al-Islam in a direct way without in any intermediary, without the usual human birth process, and that he was endowed with the same appearance uh, on earth as he had in heaven. That's a second opinion of our scholars to this hadith in Sahih Muslim. And the third one is the one that most of the early scholars took. And they simply, whenever they came across anything to do with Allah and certain qualities that may or may not resemble human beings or may liken him to uh, human beings or not, they simply just said, Amiruha kama ja bila kayf. Amiruha kama ja bila kayf. Let these hadith or these narrations pass as they came without in, without asking how. Khalas. Allah created Adam in his own image. Don't think about it. Don't delve into it. Move on. What is the lesson to, to, uh, to learn? Well, in that, in that particular hadith, the hadith of Sahih Muslim, it starts by saying, don't hit people in the face or don't hit people in the face. That's the thing that practically we need to take away. As regards to Allah, we we accept it we don't we don't give it an explanation or an interpretation other than what it means we know that we, we don't resemble it to, uh, uh, to to liken allah to his creation in any way oh, we just move on so that's the third opinion point being is there is something unique in how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. So let me wrap up now. Let me wrap up. By taking this idea of inna Allah khalaqa Adam ala suratihi, that Allah created Adam upon his own image, and whether that, uh, you know, whether that means 
we have certain qualities uh, that are special or, or whether we don't think about it and just move on as the early uh, uh, imams and scholars of early Islam did, our venerable Salaf. Um, let's end with another scholarly principle which is based upon a hadith and the words of Imam Ibn al-Qayyim about human beings and then we'll wrap up. So there is a saying which is quoted as a hadith of the Prophet or a saying of the Prophet but again like the hidden treasure hadith it is not a saying of the Prophet but it have but it like the hidden treasure hadith has an overall sound meaning and that is that that is the statement that uh, adorn yourself beautify yourself with the traits or the qualities of god adorn yourself or robe yourself or dress yourself or or beautify yourself with the akhlaq of god with the qualities of god it actually means adorn yourself with the qualities of godliness it doesn't mean god in that literal sense Adorn yourself with the qualities of godliness. And even if we said adorn yourself with the qualities of God, it goes back to that. That Allah did Adam upon his own image with the, with the first explanation that the word surah, image here, means certain traits or qualities that Allah possesses. Allah has endowed human beings with them at the human level not at the divine level no one shares in Allah's divinity in any way in a single atom so to speak so what does it mean to adorn ourselves and here now is a key or perhaps even the key to spiritual growth If we understand it as Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, Imam al-Suyuti, and the vast majority of the great scholars of Sunnah and Jama'ah understood it, adorn yourself, adorn yourself, begin to take on those characteristics of God, meaning godliness. Let's read Ibn al-Qayyim to shed more light on this idea which is a bit cryptic at the moment because I haven't explained it so let's read so there are met Ibn, Ibn al-Qaim has lots of passages throughout his written works uh, his published works on this idea so I'm just taking it from one of his works in the middle of this uh, this particular book Ibn al-Qaim says that Allah is compassionate and love those who are compassionate. Okay. Allah is compassionate and loves those who are compassionate. 
He is merciful to his servants who show compassion. Allah conceals the faults of others and loves those who cover the faults of his servants. Allah is clement and loves those who, are, who pardon and forgive and love those who forgive. He is gentle and loves, and loves those who are gentle to others. But he is angered by those who are rude, rough or hard-hearted. He is companionable. Allah is companionable and loves companionship amongst people. Allah is forbearing and loves forbearance, is good and loves goodness and its doers. Allah is just and loves justice. He loves to accept excuses and loves those who excuse excuse others. So Ibn Al-Kim says, so Allah recompenses his servant in as much as these attributes are present or absent in him. In as much as the human creature reflects some of the qualities of God in their lives at the human level, never at the divine level, is in as much as we truly are human, beloved to Allah, fit for purpose, and a reflection of the Prophet and his teachings. So if someone says, how do I become close to God? See what Allah describes himself with in the Quran, in the words of the Prophet See what the Prophet adorned himself with in terms of the qualities of godliness. And let's begin to bring them into our lives inwardly and outwardly in a meaningful way, making that our goal of goals, right? That's our New Year's resolution. And it's our resolution every day that Allah allows us to wake and breathe. It is not befitting for a Muslim to live in confusion and to bend with every wind that blows this way or that way and this way and that way and he follows any and every fashion that becomes a fad uh, in his or her days or in his or her times Allah didn't make us so flippantly he made us mala'ul ala you know the highest assembly of angels and you know, and the 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 this, the, subhanAllah, there is so, subhanAllah, you know, I, you know, I can't, I won't say that, but Allah had a tremendous wisdom in creating us. And the Quran teaches us, the Prophet's life teaches us what those wisdoms and purposes were. We simply can't live our lives as other people live their lives. We simply cannot have the same aspirations as worldly people have. We simply cannot chase and hanker after material things in the same way that the Ahlul Dunya the people of Dunya chase after these things and make it their greatest goal 
overshadowing everything. No, we use these things and we want these things in a halal way and in a way where we can give the obligatory shukr or gratitude back to God. But as, a, as part of our journey to Allah and the hereafter, not in a way that eclipses our yearning for Allah and the akhirah. But there you are, 21st century men and women born in a turbo-consumeristic age or living in a turbo-consumeristic society where basically the label on your shirt or on your shoes or on your handbag is what defines you. We refuse to be defined in those petty, trivial terms. In fact, the believer refuses to be defined by any material standard that the dominant monoculture wishes to throw upon us. But that we define ourselves as the Quran says, the noblest of you, the best of you, the most fit for purpose of you, the most Akram, the noblest of you in the sight of God, Atqaqum is the one who possesses the most taqwa, the most piety, the most mindfulness of God, the most fear of God, the most obedience to God, the most uh, submission to God's, uh, to, uh, to God's commands and path. All of that is taqwa, the one who remembers Allah the most and is conscious of Allah the most. All of that is taqwa. Whatever whatever difficulties we have and whatever trials and tribulations we experience as Muslims individually or as a Muslim collective we cannot be so poor in our understanding of what it means to be a Muslim to not realize something of the worth that Allah created human beings with and why and it is adorning ourselves with the qualities of godliness as we find them presented in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah of the Prophet and as we see it being lived out in the lives of the ulama and the awliya, the scholars and the saints of Islam. That is what defines who we are, what we are and what our lives stand for. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us tawfiq, to forgive us our sins, to direct our hearts and minds aright, to make our life reflect that you may know God, that we may worship God, that he make our actions reflect Islam, istislam lillah surrendering to God. Islam is what? Surrendering to God, istislam lillah through obedience to him, surrendering to God through obedience to him. And that he make our highest aspiration, at-tahabbub ilallah bima yarda, becoming beloved to God 
by doing that which pleases him. Everything else in life, as important as it is, is just a footnote. Let's open it up to a few questions, inshallah. I think maybe um, a few questions have come up. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand it over to Brother Hassan. If he can begin to, I mean, I, there is a question there, but I think maybe other questions came earlier. So I'll, I'll let Brother Hassan manage the questions and let's see how many we can get through, inshallah. Or maybe not. I think I put Hassan to sleep. Okay, let, let's take a few questions. So let me get into this comments and see, oh, oh dear, mashallah. I, I very seldom switch on these comments. Okay, there is a um, question. How do we keep spiritually strong in this dunya, in this world with so many distractions? Well, um, well, since you're aware that uh, distractions make us spiritually weak, we need to just work out how you know what distractions pull us away from what what are the priorities of the deeds that i need to do in order to become uh, increase my iman and to become spiritually strong prayer being right at the top of things okay i'm beginning to allow the heart to grow step by step in love with allah okay going along with that so the first thing would be what distracts me from prayer is it a football match a boxing match is it that i just love shopping in the mall or you know is it just i'm so lazy then i if these are things that are distracting me i need to be intelligent enough to know how can i fix that distraction okay uh for example for prayer uh or it may be that i'm distracted from i'm doing the prayer and fasting but you know beyond the basics i don't i don't do anything extra for Allah because I'm distracted because uh, earning a lot of money has preoccupied my time I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 35 and I can retire with my yacht on you know on in the harbor and you know and hopefully I can go to not just Disneyland Paris I can go Disneyland Dubai and Disneyland here and Disneyland everywhere um, then we just need to uh, work out whilst it's okay to partake in the blessings that Allah has provided this earth with in a halal way and in a way where we give thanks to Allah for those blessings with the condition that no worldly blessing must make us clingy to the dunya such that it eclipses our yearning for Allah in the hereafter and that can't happen we're not allowed to uh, chase dunya like that um, then I need to just ask, well, priorities intelligently. How important is Disneyland? Such that I'm working so much night and day just to send me, me and my children there. But actually, I barely pray. Okay, all right, I'm fulfilling the fard, but I've done a four-hour prayer in three minutes, and that's consistently, right? Nearly all of the time I pray, it's like that. And when was the last time I ever did a sunnah rawatib, you know, one of those emphasized sunnahs with the 
that that go along with the obligatory prayers for Disneyland. What because Mickey Mouse is what your god? Because what you want to go on a Pirates of the Caribbean ride? What is it that what is it that Paradise doesn't have, and the presence of God doesn't have? What is it? that Disneyland has that is missing in this spiritual journey of ours. Hadith and Sahih Muslim, let me end the question because I know that the person who asked this has good ideas of how we can avoid distraction, but perhaps was asking for others, inshallah. So let me just remind myself and yourself, Hadith and Sahih Muslim, part of which goes like this. When the people of hellfire enter the hellfire and the people of paradise enter paradise, a caller will call out to the people of paradise. Ya Ahl al-Jannah, O people of paradise, your Lord wishes to fulfill a promise that he has made to you. And the people of paradise look at each other in in a in, in 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 a puzzled state and they say what more is allah prepared to do for us hasn't allah made the scales of our good deeds heavy and entered us into paradise hasn't he illuminated our faces with nur with light hasn't he done this that what more is there then the veil shall be lifted and the believers will gaze at the face of God. And by Allah, there will be nothing more beloved to a believer than gazing at the face of Allah. SubhanAllah. And you'll find that in Disneyland where? On Netflix where? On Games of Throne where? We ask Allah for tawfiq and forgiveness. Ah, are angels not made from light? They are indeed according to the sound hadith. Allah created the angels from Noor and created jinn from smoke, smokeless fire and created Adam al -Islam. Uh, from uh, from the uh, from the earth on the topsoil, and the rest of us are born through the human birth process. Um, so yeah, and there's possible it there, it's it's possible that there not it's possible, and there are different types of nor different types of light. The sun gives off a light. Uh, the moon reflects the sun's light. And but that noor becomes slightly different than the noor of the sun, which is a very jalali noor. The noor, the light of the sun, is very is a very majestic, hard light. Okay, don't don't look directly at it. Whereas the 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 reflective light of the moon is a very jamali noor, is a very beautiful, uh, softer light. Okay, and the light that comes off of people's faces is. It is different and the light in people's character and beliefs and aspirations is another type of light and so on and so forth and when he saw smiled 
okay, uh, and his mouth was slightly ajar. You could see light coming out from behind his molar teeth, subhanAllah. How can we marry between our worldly success and ambitions and our journey in Islam? Well, uh, we make the journey of Islam the great umbrella under which being, uh, being responsible in the world and even being successful in the world is part of that journey. We don't make our spiritual journey and our worldly journey different. We say this is our spiritual journey, but it needs worldly responsibility. And if we are going to get into the worldly stuff in a deeper way, beyond just a, a basic nine to five job, then we try to reform our intentions by making that worldly uh, job, worldly devotion, an act of worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'm going to be an IT expert, a software engineer. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a baker. I'm going to Right. And I'm going to do like 12 hours a day, you know, which doesn't leave much room by the time, you you know, there and back from work and whatever. So, you know, some work is in labor intensive in terms of physical. Some work is labor intensive in terms of mental. And, you know, and God help the nurses and doctors. Right. Subhanallah. They just like subhanallah. nurses underpaid, overworked. No doubt at all. Absolutely. Uh, Allah bless them. Um, so we would say, Ya Allah, let this work of mine be a form of ibadah, so a form of worship uh, of you by me helping out, in this case, uh, uh, the ill and the weak and, uh, and the poorly, or me, by me baking bread for people to enjoy with their meal, to, th to give thanks to God for. So that's how we marry it. We marry it by saying that they're not two separate paths, and we marry it, by, but marry them and we gel them by saying that let the worldly work be subsumed under the umbrella of our spiritual journey. So the Quran will say uh, in one particular verse, um, so the Quran will say, and do not forget your portion of the world. And do not forget your portion of the world and be kind as Allah has been kind to you. Okay, so it's not that do not forget the hereafter. The hereafter and, and drawing closer to Allah must be at the forefront of our minds. That must be the thing that overshadows and directs everything else. And when that becomes the case, don't forget your portion of the world. Be responsible in this world. That's where, that's how we're trying to shape our minds. So we must, it's important to be very critical of the, of the cultural norms and the cultural messages that we receive day in and day out from all sorts of directions that begin to shape our minds, our attitudes, our priorities, our aspirations and inspirations. We must let the Quran do that. We must let the must only let the Prophet and his teachings do that. Nothing else. Otherwise, we are enslaved as others are to the ideology and the lifestyle of an elite few. 
we would rather be servants of God than slaves of material masters. But that's what we are at the moment, enslaved to the ideas of others. And Allah knows best. Uh, is it strange or is it wrong to feel excited to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the point that someone isn't, isn't afraid to die? Uh, no, it's not strange or wrong at all. Uh, it is a real fortunate person who feels like that. It's, uh, inshallah, definitely a gift of God if someone feels like that. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make such feelings, grant such feelings to all of us and may they make them genuine and reflective of of true iman um we have a few other questions here that i'm kind of struggling to read on the um on this because it's very small uh <laughs> It's off the topic, so um, I'll read it just so that you know that I have seen it, but it is off, to off the topic, as you can well understand. Can anyone give me advice? <clears throat> can anyone give me advice on my wife that left me for her boss? Will that make it easy for, for you and all others? Um, uh, simply not possible to give any advice at all, simply because you um, don't know the circumstances, the reasons, uh, did anything lead up to it? Did anything not lead up to it? How was the marriage? How wasn't the marriage? What was the religious education of the wife or the husband? The husband, 101 other questions. So it's not really uh, possible to, to answer such questions. Uh, and, and just as a rule of thumb, try not to ask such questions. I, I'm not speaking here particularly uh, on, on, on over the net to anyone, but always phone a wise, or always get good advice from wise, uh, go, uh, godly people. But if you want a religious ruling, always turn to a wise, godly, religious scholar who see who who has some age with them. You know, it's not a twenty-two-year-old graduate from a, a, an Islamic university, and, and he, you know he's, he or she is just married, you know, like yesterday, and they've got you know. A three and a half week old child and probably not going to be able to tell you much about marriage other than the standard things that they might have read in a book um, let's not let's understand that um, <laughs> scholars who have some kind of seasoning of age with their knowledge uh, tend to be tend to be able to offer more practical sounder and wiser advice than uh, younger sheikhs who are probably aren't scholars at that age, um, even if they are very dynamic and, you know, loud in speaking. Don't mistake loudness for wisdom. Um, okay, I think we might be done. Uh, uh, is it okay to follow Sufism? It's such a big question, simply because the word Sufism means 101 things to 101 different people. For some, Sufism sets off alarm bells. And if you were to suggest that you might be following Sufism, then you'll be heading for cancel culture very quickly. For others, 
Sufism represents the most spiritual part of Islam and by Islam I mean the inward part of Islam that conforms to the inward law of the Sharia. So it is a question that we will address one day but for the time being let us follow this golden scholarly rule. The scholars of Islam say Al-Ibra bil haqaiq wal ma'ani la bi alfadi wal mabani what counts is the realities and the meanings of the word la bi alfadi wal mabani not the mere term or the word itself Is it okay to follow Sufism? The first question to ask AM, what do you mean by Sufism? And then you'll say X, Y, Z. And based upon X, Y, Z, I can say, ah, A, B, C. I, or I can say yes or no. But if you say, what do you mean by Sufism? You don't say X, Y, Z. You say uh, uh, LMNOPQ. I say, mm, no, haram to follow Sufism. Because it's not, some, it's not a word in the Quran itself. And so it needs to be asked, what do you mean by it? If someone says, by Sufism, I mean, you know, uh, you find those people, they just twirl around, uh, go round and round and uh, chant Allah's name. That's it. And you might find them, you know, in Turkey, whirling dervishes and all they do. They don't really, and let's just assume they don't really pray. Maybe they do or don't fast in Ramadan, but it's not really a big deal. Uh, well, if that's what we mean by Sufism, then that's just, that's just the devil's. That's just the devil's teaching. But if someone says, well, Sufism is the, the true path of being sincere to Allah in our obedience and worship of him, such that the ego, the nafs has no share of it. <laughs> that is the most perfect position in Islam. Right. That is what the prophets and the messengers, alayhim wassalam, that was the path that they were upon. So I'll say, yes, that's okay, according to that definition. And someone will say, but I don't think Sufism means that. Then they'll say, okay, well, what do you think it then it means? Well, I don't think it means dancing around in circles, and I don't think it means that, what the what the sister said about true sincerity in, in worshipping Allah. I think it means whatever. Then we'll have to judge Sufism by what you think it means. Then we can go back to what do the scholars forget about us lay people, us kind of non-starters, because our opinions are irrelevant. It's irrelevant what I, you, uh, Hassan, or whomsoever thinks Sufism is. What do the scholars define Sufism as? Classical scholars. And then we can work on that. And if there is a misunderstanding of the word, we either use the word or we ditch the word, but we stick with the meaning. But you'll find that people don't want to do that. What they want to do is they want to have their own Islam, not an Islam that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so we don't like, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't get into all these terms and whatever. Look for the realities behind the terms. In fact, I would just be very, very um, frank with you, just to be honest and sincere to you all. People who get hung up on terms without understanding the, me the meanings, the, those Muslims, they are worse than donkeys in this aspect. 
they are worse than donkeys in this aspect because even a donkey knows what hay to have and what hay not to have and doesn't just get hung up by the color of the fact that it looks like hay, right? Even a cat knows, right, this squadgy food I will eat and this squadgy food I will not eat. And the cat doesn't even doesn't look at just, oh, it's squadgy foods I'll eat. It will sniff it, it will sense it, and then it will chew it or it will leave it. So we're worse than donkeys and dumb animals if we get hung up on that. Rather, the right learned way in Islam is to, whenever there is a term that is not clear in Islam, what it could be, and it, or it could mean this or that, we ask the person, well, what do you mean by it? And if you mean this, then I can answer yes or no. And I may say, but I prefer that this term shouldn't be used, something else should be used. But the, that word with that meaning, yes, I agree. Or no, I disagree. I, I don't agree. That's how it should be. Okay. Um, I think, should we make this the last question? Um, so, oh. Assalamualaikum, Ustaz. I have a newly convert. I have a newly convert sister. She is a musician and earns a livelihood through giving music lessons. She was told that music is haram. She is confused, and I don't know what to do. My advice to you, uh, uh, brother Ali Shah, is to uh, first make sure that the uh, the convert sister is beginning to just establish the basics of her Islam in terms of outward practice and inward spiritual growth. And then at some point, connect her to wise scholars who live in the country that she lives. So if she is a convert living in the West, connect her to, you know, and she lives, say, in Canada or the UK or the USA or Sweden or Denmark, wherever she is, connect her to local scholars who understand the challenges of Muslims and the and the special challenges of converts, and let her be uh, grow with such a scholar's advice and learning, starting with the basics first. Okay, starting with the basics first. So, and and the question that you asked is not really the basics at the moment. It might be in a few weeks or a few months or a few years, but it's not the basics at the moment. So, uh, inshallah, I hope you've understood what I said. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, increase uh, us in, in righteousness and obedience and increase the sister in firmness on her, on her iman and in her worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and likewise us too. Barakallah fikum, Brother Ali. Um, Okay, so let's round it off. Um, I think Brother Hassan might make an announcement that we're going to be off for two weeks and restart um, this particular class of mine. So we, not, not the channel, just uh, my show, the Seekers and um, Sleepers podcast will be off for two weeks and we'll restart in the beginning of uh, the new year in January uh, 2021, inshallah. And the same thing with the Faith Foundations podcast, inshallah. Ta'ala. Uh, please do keep me in your du'as. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. And may Allah cause us to be seeking with the seekers and not sleeping with the sleepers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make him our greater goal, that kind of 
eclipses everything else. Allahumma inna nasaluka hubbaka wa hubba ma yuhibbaka wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik. Oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whom you love and the love of those deeds or those actions which will draw us closer to your, to your love. Allahumma inna nasaluka ladhatun nadhar ila wajhika wa shawqa ila liqaib. Now Allah, grant us the delight at gazing at your face and the yearning to meet you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.